I'm Alex. I'm James. And I'm Dan. And this is episode 32 of the Ragamuffin Music Podcast. It's a place for us to talk about the music we love. Every month we get together, we talk about the latest news, music and trends in the world of alternative music. On this episode, we'll be reviewing the new singles from Neck Deep, The Story So Far and End, as well as the new albums from Caskets and Holding Absence. And later on, we're going to be reflecting on our festival season and trying to pick out our favourite sets from this summer. But first, some news. Let's have it. Trivium have said they'll be taking a break after their current touring plans wrap up. They've said after doing cycles of album tour, album tour, album tour after the last 10 years, they want to take a bit of a break and fair play to them. They want to build their studio in the hangar which they own, which is pretty cool. So kind of all for that. Yeah, good for them. They've earned it. Steph Curry from the Golden State Warriors joined Paramore on stage for Misery Business during a show in San Francisco. Just to call it a crossover that I never really expected to happen, and he kind of nailed it as well, so cool. Uh, finally, Broom the Horizon have delayed the release of their upcoming post-human next-gen, which was set to be released on September 15th. They've said this delay is due to unforeseen circumstances, which have led them to not completing the album with the standard they would be happy with. No new date has been given so far. Do you guys remember when we were told four post-human EPs in a year? Yeah, a bit different now, isn't it? Mm. Oh, well, look, the end of the day is what it is. Yeah, it's better than putting out, like, a finished product rather than if they don't think it's up to standard, then you're not going to want to put it out. Take your time. However, don't make promises you're not going to keep. Yeah, it is weird that they announced it all and it was all, like, ready to go and then suddenly it's not. No. So I don't know what's happened there. I know there's been a pandemic and things have been difficult and obviously touring these EPs, maybe they didn't really take that into consideration. Um but it does make me think that when hearing this news, how much of a promotional campaign they put behind it at Downey Festival, and that's kind of all gone in the bin for the minute. I wonder if anything will happen with the tour as well, because that's that was set to take place around the time the album was being released. So. I'd expect maybe still keeping mm. touring plans, because you think of the revenue that's going to come in from that. Um, but we shall see, and hopefully there'll be more news in the future. Shall we look at last month's recommendations? Yeah, let's do it. So my recommendation from last month was Polaris with The Mortal Coil, seeing as we're seeing them open next month at Ali Pali for Sleeps and Bury Tomorrow. Uh, I don't know if you guys had listened to this album before. I had listened before, and listening again, it's still a killer album. It's almost like... um, What's the word I had? It's like a showcase of what a metalcore album should be like. Just every single song has like great, clean, melodic choruses... You've got breakdowns, you've got some like riffs that go proper hard, you've got screams, breakdowns. It's essentially everything that a metalcore album should have, I think. Ali? And The Remedy is a, oh, just a classic. Fucking banger. I can't really add much more to what Dan's just said, but I do... Uh, I'm now like significantly more excited for the upcoming album, giving this a listen. I think I still maybe marginally prefer the other one. I can't remember the name of it. Have you either of you listened to much of the new singles they've released? Just the once, I think. Because cool. I'm getting extremely excited for it. It's September the 1st, so at time of recording, only a week away. Mm-hmm. And I'm fucking buzzed for it. Nightmare is a tune. Overflow came out the other day and can't stop listening to it. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm going to be pitting for every band on that bill. Could be a breakthrough album for them, perhaps. I think so. I think so. Big up Aussie Metalcore. Uh, Dan, that's another point. Australian metalcore—they just—they just do it right. I mean, what we got? We got Polaris, 
Alpha Am- Wolf, Amity, Amity, Parkway Drive, Parkway. I feel like I'm missing bands as well. There's, there's loads that we haven't even named there, but yeah, Aussie metalcore bands just seem to just nail it. Well, we can keep it Aussie with my previous recommendation, which was hardcore, but still sick. And it is Gang Called Speed by Speed. To me, this sounds like the definition of hardcore. It's like if you were to try and, if you opened up a literary dictionary and you just looked through, found hardcore, it'd be a picture of them and maybe a picture of this EP. Um, it just feels like it, the riffs in particular, um, the style of it, the tempos, it touches on every kind of variant you'd hear in hardcore music. Um, whether it gets like the sludgy breakdowns, the the speed, the up tempo, uh, kind of like in your face that you get from it, it hits every corner of it perfectly. And I think it's a wonderful representation of the scene. Yeah, what he said. Um, again, we've just gone from um, a metalcore showcase to a hardcore showcase. This is exactly what a, a hardcore EP should be like. One thing I like about, I guess, hardcore in general is the fact that, like, like with metalcore, a lot of screamers end up sounding the same. Um, whereas hardcore you get I think I think that's maybe what draws me to hardcore the most is that vocal styles and vocal delivery is pretty much unique to every single band at least every band that I listen to in hardcore um, and Jem the singer of this band I th- actually I love listening to him deliver vocals and he's got the sort of like the way that the lyrics and the like the vocals are constructed on this album like perfectly like marries up to like seeing them live. I've not seen them live, but like watching live sets, it's like pointing that mic in the front row and letting them. Have we had a eight five six of them yet? Uh, I feel like that'd be very good. It must have been, I'm sure. Maybe there's definitely a one nine seven media one from Sound and Fury last year. They're sick. They're one of the most exciting bands in hardcore at the moment. And uh, once again, didn't go to Outbreak this year, so missed the chance to see them. So. Another outbreak complaint from Alex, probably like the fifth podcast in a row that we didn't go. I feel like someone's regretting not going. Mm, <laughs> big time. Dan. Uh, yeah, speaking of uh, hardcore vocalists with sort of a unique sound, uh, I recommended Military Gun's brand new album, Life Under the Gun. What did you boys think? I think I loved the fact that for 12 songs, it was like 27 minutes. Like everything was just straight to the point in your face. Um, but yet easily digestible to the listen like as a whole album it flowed naturally um, very very enjoyable yeah I really love the pacing of the album in particular banging I feel like with hardcore like you get like a proper tried and true like almost like perfect hardcore band like Speed who just it's like all of the fundamentals of hardcore perfectly executed or you get a band like Military Gun who um really sort of push what the boundaries can be and like if anything i feel like this album spends more time outside of hardcore than in it if that makes sense mm-hmm. but like it's the mentality of hardcore that sort of keeps it in that world i don't know it's weird i understand why people have been raving about it for so long because it's just really yeah. cool i just really loved it all rounds good recommendations from us go us well done us go us yeah. we, do, we do good we do good recommendations. we know music Wait till the end of this podcast to hear three more, hopefully great <laughs> recommendations. I'm I'm confident in us, but uh, for the minute, let's look at some new tunes that have come out in the past month. Uh, we'll start off with a story so far with Big Blind. Uh, I'll kind of kick it off because I'm a bit different from you two. I've never, I don't think I've delved into it as much as you guys have. I found this song in particular quite generic. 
And it didn't really do a lot for me in terms of exciting me, finding something different out of pop punk. Um, it just felt like really consistent and like, okay. But like when talking about the Neck Deep song in a minute after this in particular, this just felt a little bit stale. Yeah, I mean, th they haven't released anything for a few years now. So there's been a bit of a pent up anticipation um, and expectation for when they finally did. And this isn't a bad song, but it's just not really living up to that expectation, I guess. I think when you've been away for that long, and yeah, they've still been playing shows and stuff, but when you've not released something for such a long time, I think you need to come back with a bang, and they've just come back with a... Meh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're both spot on. I think the thing is as well, is like, the story so far, you got to realise that like, I think at least, they're as influential to modern pop punk from like the last decade as Blink and um, Green Day were to the 90s and 2000s. Like the wave of pop punk that we've had in like the last 10 years is because of this band, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, th I can imagine for them, it's probably quite a daunting thing to have to live up to sort of their own legacy, especially because Proper Dose was a, a bit of a change and it got kind of a mixed reception within the scene. I thought it was brilliant, by the way. But I don't know, there's something about this band that makes me just almost feel like they, they're doing it with a gun to their head. Because you look at No Pressure and it's like proper, like it's like fun, like it's like Parker Cannon's actually having fun. Yeah. And I guess that's the whole point, That the whole point of that band is that it's five friends with no pressure on them having fun whereas I feel like with the story so far there's so much pressure now expectations that I, to be honest I think whatever they had put out would it, we would be having this conversation going so, uh, you're, so what you're saying is there's no pressure or no pressure and there's pressure on the story so yeah, far yeah pretty much which is a shame because <laughs> the story so far is really sick but I don't know it, I mean yeah it's still a good song yeah but it's just not what I maybe would have expected from a big comeback and like you said where they're essentially or were at least trailblazers in the sort of twenty sort of twenty twelve to twenty fifteen pop punk scene. Mm. You kind of want them to be doing something big and, and something innovative, innovative again, yeah. but it's just a song. So then maybe, move, maybe see it it's there. We'll yeah, hopefully. We'll do it. So then moving towards Neck Deep. What what do we think of this? We we've got Take Me With You, new song, new album on the way. Um I mean, I found this much more appealing after not enjoying all distortions are intentional. Um, I feel like the chorus is quite a strong anchor, uh, quite catchy. Um, the little double time section of the bridge was cheeky. Did enjoy that. Um, and I felt this was very well, uh, very well crafted and a bit more of like a comeback for me. I'm the opposite. Really? <laughs> I, I liked, I've liked everything they've put out so far um, since... Uh, Shut the fuck up last year. But then this one I've been incredibly whelmed by. Which again is another another pop punk release by a big hitting pop punk band that I've been whelmed by on this podcast. Again, not a bad song by any means. It just feels incredibly and I know it's a meme with neck deep, but it feels incredibly generic and formulaic, I think. Um and doesn't even seem to be about very much other than pondering onto the existence of intelligent life in the universe I haven't but, seen the music video yet but I gather it's kind of based on that realm yeah, yeah. it's a fun song but it's just it's not on par with their singles recently I don't think 
Well, I'll preface this, and I kind of want to preface the whole episode with this, and I, something like I said to Dan in the car on the way over here. I, I lately have had a bit of an issue with new music where I just, I just, I feel like I can't take it in at the moment. Like my brain's, I'm listening to it, but my brain's just, just going, yeah, that's a cool song, but I'm not. You know that bit in the in-between is where people's like, I've got all my textbooks. <laughs> I've been drinking my energy drinks and nothing's fucking going in. <laughs> That's pretty much it. So so when I first listened to this song, I was a bit like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. But seeing it live, um, yes, well, listen, you're going to have to hear me talk about it later on in the episode. Well, I saw them at the Dome and that chorus live is it's a game changer. So now okay. I like the song. Now I'm on board. One of those ones where a live performance really changes it for you. Yep. You, you see, see I didn't together. I didn't see it live. So, as you say, maybe that's the game changer. Yeah. So moving from pop punk to something a little bit different, uh, we're going to move to Guilt Trip with Broken Wings. Uh, I think you're the biggest Guilt Trip fan out of us, Ali? Yeah, I'd say so. Guilt Trip are really sick. I, I've always enjoyed their music. Just really fun, gritty, northern hardcore. But this one was like a... It, something about this song felt like a big step up. I don't know what it mm-hmm. was. All of the riffs for me were so sick. It felt like structurally the song had a flow to it, but like a such an easy uh, replayability for me. Yeah, I think the um, the sort of clean vocal section towards the end as adds a dynamic to this band that is uh, really cool. And I just thought it was for Guilt Trip so far, maybe about as flawless as they've been. I th- I think it's that clean vocal break that is that step up, mm. adding something new that they've not really done before. Um, again, it kind of just breaks up the song, gives it a bit of a structure as well, which is again gives it that replayability. You want to just keep going again and again, um, and it's making me really excited for the upcoming album because knowing that Mike Deuce, formerly of Lower Than Atlantis, is featuring on a song on there, hearing that clean verse on this song, I'm itching for a Mike Deuce. Itching to hear Mike Deuce on a record again. So I'm very excited for that. I feel like as well, um, hardcore is traditionally like very raw sounding, whereas there seems to be a trend, not just with Guilt Trip, but there's loads of other bands doing it now as well, where hardcore now has this very refined and like highly, not highly produced, but like well produced sound where every strum on the guitar sounds like just chonky as fuck. Mm. And you can hear like every pick hitting the strings um, and Guilt Trip do that as well as any other band on the scene I think a band that you've been going on about for a while Alex um, we can stay on the stream that we've said before about the fact that everything Will Putney t- uh, everything Will Putney touches turns to gold uh, end with Gaping Wounds of Earth um, I am two to all above all on the hype train for this like I can't even toot. fucking speak. It's heavy as fuck. I love the blast beats. Brendan's vocals sound sick as fuck. Um, yeah, you've you've spoken about N so many times before, and I fucking love the song. I I don't think there's much else I can really say about it. It's it's so good. Um, it's in your face. It's carnage. It's heavy. Um, I'm just thinking like the pits for this would be ridiculous. I do think there's a few times where it starts to sound a little bit messy and like it's just going to fall apart, but then it still kind of like holds itself together somehow. It's almost a bit like 
what we talked about previously with um, Code Orange, like horrorcore, essentially. Of the music's kind of hard to listen to, but it's captivating at the same time. Like that really scratchy sounding guitar tone that goes all the way through the song is really really sick. But also, like when you first hear it, it's a bit like, what's going on there? That's a bit like nails down a chalkboard kind of vibe. Um, but it works, and it's really really cool. I will add quickly as well, like. I love my dissonance, Veil of Maya, where it just goes like in your face dissonance. But the dissonance in this seems like slightly subtler and, and kind of I think works really well within the track and a really good kind of side and production note, I think, with that. Yeah, you guys are spot on. I mean, this band is just really sick. What's kind of crazy is um, A, sort of like their output for what is essentially a side project, right? Because you got uh Brendan from Counterparts, Will from Fit for an Autopsy, Autopsy Bad Lovers, plus his all, all his production as well. Um a geezer from Misery Signals, I forget his name, I apologise. Misery Signals are sick, by the way. Um so A what's cool is like that this band have actually like their output is really consistent and like I was kind of surprised that we got a new full length. Well they've announced a new full length. I thought that's quite a quick turnaround. And another thing as well is that this sounds nothing like any of their other projects. like And the fact that Brendan yeah. makes the sort of conscious decision to vocally deliver something that doesn't sound at all like how he sounds on counterparts, you almost wouldn't really know. And that's what's really sick about this. And yeah, they're heavy as fuck. Sounds like listening to the end of the world to me. And uh, I would... I was about to say I would highly recommend their first EP. So maybe... Oh. I'll do that at the end of this episode. Oh. Foreshadowing. Breaking news, Punk's dead. R.I.P. Um, but this is still a punk song from Softplay. So maybe it's not dead. So maybe it's not dead. Oh, I think they're just being sarcastic. Yeah, maybe. I think this is a really great comeback song. Um, it's got that slave sense of humour. It's got the slaves driving Jumbie. It's got a great riff going throughout it. It's fun. They're like poking fun at themselves a bit with the name change. Um my only disappointing thing is they've been back for a little while now. They've been playing shows. I thought we'd have had this song a little while ago, but I am glad it's here now. Do you know what, Dan? Are you living inside my mind today? Because everything you've just said there is exactly what I was going to say. There we go. It is, yeah, it's everything that I like about Slaves. Sort of tongue-in-cheek, but still got like a raw, actual punk like energy to it. And I, th I felt like they sort of needed... like. Because I guess the premise of the song, right, is them addressing like their name change and sort of just the general like reaction to it. Yeah. And I feel like they sort of needed to do this to now properly move on and start this new chapter fully, which means I hope more new music should follow quite swiftly. I reckon so. Um, also, shout out to the Robbie fucking Williams. I was going to say, James, you know you featured on it. Or I do now. He's told you now. I will be listening <laughs> to that with great interest. Moving on to the first of our albums, then Caskets with Reflections. Um, I think the first time I've properly delved into a Caskets album as a whole, I very much enjoyed it. Um, a little bit disappointed with them at download, but I think that was part of the sound in the tent. So I went into this with a very open mind. I thought the album was slightly front heavy, but very enjoyable. Um, flowed naturally. Believe more than misery in the silence. I really, really enjoyed. And I felt like it was an album I could easily just also just put on in the background and just kind of vibe to. And... It would just pull me in at certain moments. I'd hear, hear certain kind of like lines or moments throughout different songs that really would kind of 
piqued my interest immediately. I'm like, oh shit, let me go and check the name of the song and things like that. So a very, very enjoyable listen. Um, I think I need to listen to more caskets. Yeah, there's a few songs on here I like. I really like um, More Than Misery. Um, there's a bit of a North Lane vibe on Too Late, which I really digged. Um, and I really enjoyed Six Feet Down as well. But I don't know, there's, there's just something about it that isn't hooking me in. I don't know if it's... I feel it's maybe slightly overproduced and very, very fine-tuned, um, which is maybe a little bit off-putting to me. Um, maybe the same reason I'm not that into Bad Omens as much as a lot of other people are. But again, it's it's a good album by no by no means, but like, it's not hooking me in as, as much as I want it to be. I think maybe if I have a bit more time with it, I'll I'll be there. Moving on to an album on a similar kind of wavelength, the Noble Art of Self Destruction has released. The boys in holding absence today today at, at time of recording. recording. The boys in holding absence have released it. We have been listening intently. Um, I kind of want to take away from the the singles we've heard so far and go into the new album track straight away. Um, I love them. The album flows beautifully from start to finish. Uh, Lucas was teasing before about ending it with the angel in the marble. Uh, comparing it to stuff like Will and just saying like well, how well, it's a, it's it a direct sequel to Will, isn't it? It's absolutely fucking gorgeous. Um, shit, and like when they say about having it as like a three of three as well, and this this kind of closing off this trilogy, it's perfect. Um, musically, I think they've stepped up another level. Some of Ash's drumming on Death, nonetheless, is. Mm-hmm amazing and had me going back while listening to the song and going back to certain parts i think the album flows beautifully um they released like her wings as a single today and the music video incredible they, they've knocked it out of the park here like high praise high praise yeah i mean you, you look at it being a, a trilogy um and I, when, it, when it was first announced as being the final part of a trilogy i was like hey but how but how but then it's only like reading more into it and looking back at the previous albums. You've got the self-titled, which is obviously about love. You've got um, the second album, which is about loss. And then this one's kind of, I guess, about coping with it and like moving on and like sorting yourself out and like getting ready to go again, which is the whole, is it Ken, 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 I forgot what it's called. The yeah, yeah. I know what Ken, you mean. Kensugi or something. Kensugi, mm. the um, like fixing of plates and stuff like that um yeah finding something <laughs> and shit <laughs> uh, yeah. i've been I think it's, I've, I've been looking I've been, I've been looking into it since the since the theme of the album was like talked about by lucas and then now it's come to recording i've completely forgotten what it, it's, it's called a, it's, it, it's essentially it's taking ta- it up, it's <laughs> taking something that's broken and like repairing it and making it maybe even more beautiful than it yes. was before. A bit of super glue on your broken china. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean that's the gist of it. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Golden super glue that makes it look really sparkly yes. and nice and stuff. Which is essentially what the theme of this album is. Like essentially the opening on, on Head Prism Blues you've got um why have I why am I forgetting the lyrics? <laughs> I literally wrote it in an Instagram caption earlier. <laughs> and they're not on Spotify. Like you've watched me love, you've watched me lose, now watch me writhe on the floor. That kind of, that summarising the trilogy, I guess, of the, the three mm-hmm. parts of the trilogy. Wonderful and again, line. a great opening track, I think. Um, Celebration Song was up there, but I, th- I think this might even High beat it. Yeah, 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 agreed. 
Uh, I need to get the track list up again. Um, and then again, the singles are great as well. Um, and we need to talk about Angel in the Marble again because you talked about it being Wilt. It's essentially Wilt Part 2, isn't it? As soon as I heard... The sequel. Sort of that callback in the intro, I was yeah. just like, whoa, what's going to go on here? Which is... I can only compare it to listening to the Sleep Token album earlier this year, hearing sort of The Night Belongs to You Very easy reference. comparisons. Mm. Um, kind of makes me yeah. still think that, that when Lucas said that him and Vessel had like written a song together and there was a collab that's somewhere locked away. I yeah, wanna, he, he, I said on a, he said on Instagram Live last night that no one's ever going to hear it. It's not going to come out. We will try. Yeah. Anyway, it... In conclusion, I think it's a fucking brilliant album. I think they've nailed it. One more album to talk about. Yeah, um, not necessarily an album of the year contender, but it's one that's going to, I think, end up in my top five. Movements. Ruckus. Oh, it's a top fiver. For sure. What, uh, again, all the singles are brilliant. We got bloody loads. How many did we get in the end? I think there might have been six in the end. That's I'm not insane. Sure. Six so, singles, so, Jeremy. Shall I fact check it? That is a, something that I quite like that would, I guess, and that's sort of a, I guess it's sort of a reaction to like streaming services and the state of like music business now that bands have to release so many singles. But personally, I like that. And um, was Killing Time a single? Yeah, I think it was a late one. Then I think we had five singles and then I hope you hope you choke had a music video on release day. There we go. So that's a hefty chunk of the album that we we're already hearing before release. But the rest of the songs, again, just as good. And I think it, you got to realise as well, is like Feel Something was one of the most special, important albums in emo, alternative emo music. Um, and let's be honest, they can't recreate that. Yeah, that, that's, so, that's the point that I wanted to make, is they're never going to be able to make something like that again or if, if they were to attempt that style again it's not going to be as good as that album was so they might as well mix things up a bit which is something they've been good at with with the next, the two albums that have followed it yeah and this one it's just super fun really dancey in the way yeah. that feel something isn't feel something obviously is a fantastic album but it just it me it allows another side of this band to be opened up to a new sort of experience as well because Again, you listen to Feel Something and it's at times a tough listen and you've got to be in the right mindset yeah, for a few songs. I think you've got to be in the mood for Feel Something, yeah. whereas this one, it's just a boppy. Mm. They're essentially pop songs with kind of some grungier guitar behind it at yeah. times. Um, I think it's great. What a good album, eh? Great album. That's Albums of the Past, then. Albums of the Future, next month, we've got Polaris with Fatalism on September 1st. Silosis with A Sign of Things to Come on September 8th. Sheesh. Corey Taylor with CMF2 on September 15th. Oh. Code Orange with The Above, September 29th. Sheesh. Guilt Trip is in September. The 22nd. There you go, another one. So that's another one in September to look forward to. Out of all those releases then, what are we most looking forward to? Guilt Trip, I Guilt reckon. Trip, baby. Polaris. Oh, Polaris will be sick. I'm looking forward to that as well. But Guilt Trip's the one. I'm looking forward to Code Orange. Oh, shit. Yeah, sorry. Brain fart. <laughs> mm -hmm. Who are it's you? Code Orange. Um, yes, Code Orange. Please. I thought you'd gone off them. No, could never. Gig talk. Gig talk. Gig talk. Alex, 
You had a couple you went to? Three. Talk to me. Well, so the first one... <laughs> All right, Terry. <laughs> Terry Tibbs, talk to me. Three gigs in a week. Talk Three gigs me. in a week. Talk to me. First gig I went to was Joji at Gunnersbury Park. Not the, usually the sort of music we talk about on this podcast, but the experience is one that I want to talk about because it was very cool. Um, for people that don't know the sort of setup at Gunnersbury Park, it's essentially like a mini festival. Um, or like the main stage of a mini festival because it's just one stage but it's like food vendors and bars and it's outdoors um, at Gunnersbury Park in London and I think that the way it works is that they sort of set it up for like a week or or so and they just book just a bunch of gigs to, to fill the weeks they had Limp Bizkit um, they had Boy Genius on the weekend um, and Joji in the middle of the week and it was just fantastic like the vibe of it was just brilliant because you're at a gig but you're at a festival but you're not at a festival because you're at a gig it's not quite a gig because you're outside it's just it's really unique it's a really fun way to experience live music because you get i don't know you get like the uh the vibes of a festival with the convenience of a of just going to a gig if that makes sense yeah essentially you just go home at the end of the day yeah i think um the support acts were pretty cool not usually the sort of music that i'm massively into but sometimes seeing it live makes it a bit more fun um but joji in particular was brilliant i mean i was maybe a bit concerned that because of like his music that it would be a bit of a sad boy evening but he kept it light and and fun in between songs which i guess was kind of to be expected in a way because of like his comedic genius of being filthy frank so i guess he knows how to keep an audience entertained um it was just really fun and halfway through they did like a dj set interlude and i tell you what there was a moment in my brain where i thought to myself i get raves i get why like because i thought to myself if i was like further in the middle of the crowd and like drunk I would be like going mental. I right think now. that's the key point here is that you Maybe. would be drunk. But but it it was the same like it's two sides of the same coin as going to like a heavy show because it's the build up and anticipation of a breakdown, and then the moment it hits, everyone loses their mind. It's the same as like a drop or I, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Or like a breakbeat at a rave. It was like maybe there's a video in this. The ragamuffins go to a free party. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Metalheads go to a free party. This is what happened. I think James would have sort yeah, of burst into it. flames like a vampire in the sun. Um, but no, it was really fun. I really loved Joji and I wasn't, I didn't know when I would ever see him live, if ever. So it was quite a special see, experience I, to have. I find it really interesting that you say he was doing like jokey bits and like, was it, there's like a roulette table came out like a blackjack table. Yeah, blackjack. blackjack table. Because um, when I saw him at Reading Festival a few years ago, he seemed just like really, really nervous, and and he essentially just sang the songs and just got on with it. Maybe it's different with it being a festival atmosphere compared to it being like a headline show. Um, but I guess obviously he's also kind of got more comfortable with performing as well. I would presume. Yeah, and I have so to, that that's really good to hear. I would imagine as well that there was probably a period of time, like in his early musical days, where he was. Trying to break away from trying to break his history. away from yeah. his history as filthy Frank, and so by being like meme-ish and jokey on stage, was probably like yeah. not in his mind. Which I I fully understand because there's going to be a subsection of his fan of his Joji fan base that are going to want him to be filthy Frank still. 
So I feel like he's sort of got to make that distinction for himself. Um, but yeah, that was that gig. And then I saw Neck Deep at the Dome in London for their Rain in July History of Bad Decisions anniversary tour. Good for you. Tour in quotation marks because it was four dates. Yeah, good for me. Yes, yeah, sorry. Sorry, everybody. I got tickets. Um, <laughs> it was fantastic. I'm happy for you. It was fantastic. They played all 10 songs from those first two EPs, had a mini break. It was kind of like an encore break. And then they played six of like the hits, I suppose. Um, and it was just pretty surreal. Like you don't realize, well, maybe you do realize, but like it really hammers home seeing them in that venue and hearing those songs how much hardcore influence is in that first EP because like people were two stepping and stage diving and going crazy. It was I saw a bizarre. photo of um, Ben playing guitar and West being on vocals at one point. It was for All Hype No Heart. Okay. Which was really sick because um, they did like the first half of that song normal with Ben and then they swapped like midway through the song to drop the tempo right down and West and swapped halfway like, through so what 10 seconds in. Yeah pretty much. <laughs> um, but no, it was really cool. The whole night was really fun. Um, and the Dome is one of the best, like one of my new favourite venues, really, um, which I'll talk about when we talk about Not Loose in a minute. Just because they, you know, encourage and allow hardcore shows and hardcore crowds to behave as you would, as you would expect, uh, keep everyone safe, but without being killjoys, so... Take note from that O2 Academy venues. What O2 venues? Yeah. Oh, and Higher Power are really sick. <laughs> there goes our deal with Academy Music Group. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> They'll take a cut of our... Oh, uh, merch sure. cuts. <laughs> they, wouldn't, they wouldn't have listened this far, right? They wouldn't. They wouldn't have listened at all. Um, and then finally, Knock Loose, which I was yesterday. You came with James, so you can talk for a bit. Amazing. I mean, we saw them twice at festivals last year, Outbreak and 2000 Trees, and they were great. Seeing them at a 600 cap, uh, incredible. I love that. Uh, as you walked in there, as as we pointed out and will be in the vlog, there was the no stage diving, no crowd surfing sign there. That very quickly went out the window. I myself can attest for that. Uh, was up on there many times. Great enjoyment, much fun one of the best bands in hardcore easily like fucking sick watch the vlogs there's nothing else I can really say yeah he said it I feel like hardcore at the moment is is sort of spearheaded in two different directions one is not loose and one is turnstile the two genders <laughs> the two hardcore <laughs> genders um, and not loose and, uh, I feel like they sort of push the, the genre in different ways if that makes sense and not no one comes close to what not loose are doing right now through like Kubla kind of chasing it as well and like yeah on that's, the path, that's the thing though on like the pathway a lot of those Kubla Khan songs came out years ago hmm. but like even not loose i mean for counting worms is years old and the, the, yeah. their resurgence has had on tiktok in particular like all it can take is something to go slightly viral as well sometimes and I think that, that could happen with the Kubla Khan one well that's what happened with the next band we're going to talk about Skin Dread um, they went viral on uh, on TikTok and now they've got a number two album mm -hmm. and the reason I bring them up in, in Gig Talk is me and James saw them at an in-store we did they did a little acoustic set at a truck in Oxford 
and I just thought it was really, really fun. It was, it was a lovely little time, lovely little set. Uh, very different compared to seeing them at big open festivals with T-shirts flying in the air and all yeah, that kind of that, stuff. Yeah, that's exactly so, why I wasn't really sure what to expect. No. Um, but if, if anything, Benji's humour kind of shone through. Yeah, agreed. It kind of gave him more of an opportunity to do almost some like visual comedy in a way. Like there were bits where he was like, because the stage has like a big shop window behind it, so he was like just turning around, just waving at people walking past <laughs> yeah, outside. Yeah. Which I guess when you're walking past a shop and you see like a shop full of people and there's just a guy on a stage with a microphone, it probably probably does make you think, oh, what's going on? Who's that guy? I should probably like look into who's in there. Mm. Um, and yeah, thanks to that run of installs and events and things, they got a, a number two album, which is massive for them. Great stuff for alternative music. Yeah. I think the last thing that I want to say to cap off Gig Talk is to look forward to next month. What I am anticipating, and I'm, we're going to talk about it, there will be a vlog about it. What I am anticipating is to being my favourite gig ever. While She Sleeps, Buried Tomorrow, Polaris at Alexandra Palace in London. Uh, there are limited tickets available, so if you're listening to it, I strongly fucking urge you to get those tickets because I think you're going to witness something. At the time of recording, there's less than 500 Less than left. 500. I, I think you're going to witness something amazing, incredible. They are, while she sleeps this being, are one of the best live bands I've ever seen. We were lucky enough to see them at Bully, uh, a local venue to us in a 300 capacity. And now this is going to be a 10,000 arena. Um, one of the best live bands, not just in the UK, on the planet. Um, you will not want to miss this. I just thought of, on the fly, two predictions for that show. Go. One, they're going to announce a new album. Yeah, yeah they've been working on it. Two, um, they're going to do some kind of, like, medley mashup of, like, The North Stands For Nothing, nothing and some songs of This Is The Six. Play Crows. I think that'll be a really cool Play thing. Crows. And I think Sleeps will be the kind of band to do it. I or kind of like Shikari do with the quick fire round. I think they'll do something like that. I think it will either be that or... It will be crows in full as like a give me crows. This is a, you know we've never thought we'd play a venue this size when we wrote this song. Blah blah blah. They put up a post the other day as well. Another song they haven't played in a while, and it had um, Seven Hills playing. Yep. And I saw that, and I was like, cheeky. It's my favourite. I, I, I could have a bit of, bit of Seven Hills again, but uh, yeah, get tickets for that. It's gonna be fucking sick. So we've been to a whole bunch of festivals this summer. We've vlogged them all. You can go and see them on the channel. We've been to the likes of Slam Dunk Festival, 2000 Trees, Download, Take Down, so many. And I think we've got Burn It Down still to come as yep, well. Yeah, that's coming in a few weeks. Um, but for now, we wanted to recap and have a look back at some of our favourite sets that we've seen this summer. We do also have uh, a special guest with us. We have the estranged lad, Ruben is here. Yo, what's up? <laughs> uh, just because, again, someone else that can talk about festivals from a different perspective, um, which we may as well just kind of jump in with any sets from Download, in particular that anyone fondly remembers. Like for me, I would start straight away with like Stray. I found the Stray set was fucking incredible. One of the, I think, debatably the best, time i've seen them i don't know because oh, i hold yeah, that yeah i hold the it one that we me. saw them in bristol like so high because that was my first proper chance seeing them enjoying them but like looking back and like the, the crowd that were there the energy like it was just fucking sick that was yeah that the intimacy of the bristol show at the fleece was 
really special. But there was something about... Because um, I've been into Stray since, like, the Anonymous album. I don't mean to sound like that, that guy who's like, <laughs> I've been into them for fucking ages. But it was quite surreal to just... I liked like, them before Craig was their drummer. <laughs> <laughs> I did, actually. <laughs> um, but it was just cool to be at Download with that many people going just so rowdy. Um, and to be honest, I wonder as well for the band, that could probably be one of their favourite shows that they've played. That download yeah. I think I think uh, Craig did a vlog, and if I remember rightly, he did say that's probably the best show he's ever played. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I might be wrong, but I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure. Well I'm pretty sure it was that show that he said it about. Like high high pressure for him in particular, I think. And they went into that. To be like, fair, I spent the whole of that set kind of at the back by the sound desk by myself because James, I was like, yeah, you, I know you want to go in, so I let him go. I think he met Josh and Alex. I wasn't sure where you were, Dan, but um. What was different? I'll, to I'll tell you where I was in a moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that it was kind of vibes throughout the crowd all the way up to the back as well. Like everybody that was there, like young old, everybody was enjoying it. And they really seemed to be like getting into the set and people walking past would stop, listen, be like, yeah, these guys, are, these guys are good. Like, I, I do think they really killed it, to be fair, like the whole. And it was, uh, I did see him before, didn't I? Ali Pali, did I? I think so, potentially. Actually, no. Wembley. No, it was Wembley. 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 Yeah, yeah. And they were very good. That was the first time I've seen them. But yeah, for 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 the first time seeing them at a festival, I think they really outdid themselves, to be honest. Yeah, while you guys were astray, I was over at the main stage seeing Fever 333. And I was a little worried going into the set because they've had a big lineup change. It's basically only Jason that's left from the, the original lineup. Um, kind of relaunching as a band... So I wasn't very I wasn't really sure whether it would have the same kind of energy as before or whether anything would feel a bit off, but they all just fucking smashed it. Yeah. Um like I think my main worry was that it was gonna be the Jason Arlen Butler show and like the others were just gonna be essentially like session musicians just sort of stood there. But all of them, apart from the drummer, were like legging it around the stage. Um there was like pyro everywhere. Uh, Jason did his like standards climbing up a tall thing yeah. um towards the end of the set. And I, I don't know how he just never got out of breath. He was jumping off shit, running around, like screaming and singing, and he just never seemed out of breath once. Like his stamina is just insane and um, kind of settled any kind of questions I had going into that set. They were phenomenal. Um, we're dragging you to 2000 Trees next year. <laughs> That's happening, Rude. Um, for me, I think you'll... You'll come to another set in a minute once I say this one in particular. Uh, Holding Absence in the Forest Age was something so incredibly special. Like the Forest Age, obviously when I say other sets, you know what I mean anyway. But that Holding Absence set, playing old songs in particular, um, it felt like a real celebration leading into this third album, kind of about to come out. Um, The the vibe in that forest now that we've been there for two years, uh, like together, obviously you've been before Dan with that, it's something so special and unique. And if I was to probably, as a teaser and just to say, if I was to probably do a, a perfect gig of just my own now, I would probably put it in the forest at 2000 Trees. It's so unique, so beautiful, the surroundings you've got from it. And just the vibe of 2000 Trees in general is tremendous. I, I can't praise it more than that. Um, I love that place. I love that set. I love that band. There are a lot of things that are really special about 2000 Trees the size of the event is easy to navigate and easy to get around the uh, 
organizers seem hands-on and attentive to what the punters need and want and how to run a festival well but i think like are they book sick bands that's the third one i think one of the absolute like the biggest weapon in their arsenal is that forest it offers an experience like no other festival can give you and one of the sets that was for me an absolute standout was bob villain headlining that forest that night i wouldn't even class myself as like a massive bob villain fan i really enjoyed the price of life album um but even watching that forest set i was a bit like i'm witnessing something here that is one of a kind that was one of those you've got to see it live to get in moments for me yeah i was already into them i was already like really enjoying the price of life album but then again like seeing them live just it flicks, flicked a switch for me the same thing has happened in the past with bands like idols where I've, I've kind of liked the music but not fully got it and then it's seeing them live that you really like yeah i get it now and i agree that that yeah. forest stage set was just not just a moment for me to like understand what's going on but like uh this is something seriously seriously good that we're, we're witnessing here all right yeah okay so i obviously didn't i didn't go to trees or anything uh obviously went to download that was my one festival of this year which is kind of a shame but also a good thing because um download was brilliant had a brilliant time um so i could go for sets like architects slipknot i mean even stray all of these big ones the the production could talk about the production for bring me and they were all stand out fantastic but there was genuinely one band that stuck with me which was black gold that i'd never actually heard of them before but they kind of it's, i think it was a lot of it was it was unsuspected i think i was just it happened to be in that tent at the time and they just kind of came out on stage with this aura and image and this attitude that you don't really get from every single band like sometimes that to be successful successful as a band is just as important as music you, like the personality and how they come out and how they interact but then the sound as well for that band the the bass punched the the, the kicks punched the drums the snares everything like the guitar it was all heavy hitting you know when you can feel it in your chest and everything and they really did put out a good performance i haven't delved much into their cat like catalog outside of download yet to be honest i haven't really listened to it but it, it was just it was certainly an experience anyway i did enjoy them i kind of remember like it just being like hot as fuck at download as it was and I, like I, I think we were walking around and it was like let's just go in a tent see what's on and just stumbling across it yeah because then that that led me to wanting to see them at 2000 trees where again i absolutely love that set um it's that new wave of new metal that's starting to come through um, you can hear it. That, I mean, they they speak about it in the lyrics, kind of referencing old bands, and they they speak of Corn, they speak of Not, they speak of like Limp Biscuit, Linkin Park. You you hear those influences in their music, um, and having that kind of new wave come through, and you you see that on the British side with them, you see it on the American side with like Tala. Um, it it's refreshing to see and have new metal like alive and kicking again. I think. Yeah, I definitely think there's someone to keep an eye on. You know, see what see what new stuff they can come out with. For sure. James mentions the forest stage at Trees being a, a special place to see some of your favourite bands. And for me, it doesn't matter what stage it is at Trees. Trees in general is just a great place to see live music. And I don't think it gets any better for someone than seeing your favourite band at potentially your favourite festival. So seeing the Wandiers on the main stage, like something 
it just felt so special that it just completely overwhelmed me and I essentially sobbed through the whole set. But not like sob sobbing, but just like, yeah, just through like genuine happiness. I was just overwhelmed with joy throughout the whole set. And the set list as well was just, I don't think it could have been much better. Starting with Cardinals, which is probably my favourite one of year song, one of my favourite songs ever. And then going straight into Cardinals 2 straight away. I kind of thought they'd play one or the other, but playing both together in a set was just perfect. And it was a, an amazing balance of kind of older songs and newer songs. And it is probably my favourite one of year set. I've seen them at like headline shows, throwback shows, and that was just something really, really special for me. So it's going to be hard to top that for festival sets, I think. I've never seen Alex come out of a mosh pit with the biggest smile on his face compared to when he saw Kubla Khan at 2000 Trees as well. I I was in photo pit at that time, but from hearing from everyone else, you were like, oh, I'm, I'm just going to watch. I'm going to stand at the side. And then as soon as like first guitar note plays, he's barging his way in there. He's going right well, for the pit. They opened with the hammer, so I couldn't really say no. What else I? can you do? Um, I don't know what it is about that band, but they just send me absolutely feral. Like, saw them at Support and Counterparts back in May, mm-hmm. and that was like my first um, experience of seeing them live. I'd heard a couple of songs, and I wasn't like super hooked before that gig. Came away from that that show, and I was just like, Kuba Khan are my new favourite band. And um, it just created essentially two full months of anticipation from May to July for their set of trees. And I just, I lost my mind. And I'm not, I'm not exactly a pit warrior by nature, <laughs> but I, something about Kubla Khan's music gave me like a plus 10 strength buffer. Cause I, <laughs> I was on another level in that pit swinging and kicking and going absolutely crazy. I've never, it's, it's like, it's like when you play a multiplayer game and like, you have a character that gives like a plus 10 strength buffer to all your yeah. teammates. <laughs> That's USC's Kubla Khan. <laughs> That's you at Kublai Khan pit. It was like two hi-hat hits to start the hammer and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like powered up. Um, I'll go quick fire for Slam Dunk because the Kerrang tent was essentially my resident for residency for the day. Um, movement, Spanish love songs, Boston Manor, four years strong. I mean, fucking hell. What, is it, am I missing someone? I feel like I'm missing someone. I can't remember. Did you say Boston Manor? I said Boston, yeah. yeah. That, I mean... So shows that I'm paying attention, didn't it? Um, those are like four... That, is that four bands? Movements, Spanish Love Songs, Boston Manor. Trophy Eyes. Trophy Eyes. I don't know. It's a load of bands that I love. <laughs> <laughs> and I just had the best time. And the fact that I didn't have to leave to enjoy all of that magical while on the slam dunk i can make you very jealous ruben with the fact that i saw landmarks and then right after fit for a king and both bands fucking slapped um landmarks has i think been the discovery of the year for me musically quite closely followed by fit for a king so to see those back to back on one stage with great pits and amazing amazing live band straight away on that first time seeing both of them they're up there in terms of how a band can translate from album and recorded material to on stage fucking incredible and I'm I'm desperate to see both of them live so I want a fucking tour over here straight away any more slam dunk from you? let's stick with slam dunk and talk about that Enter Shikari headline set because the production that they brought out for that 
Um, they, I think they've been using it at all their European festivals this summer. But the debut of it at Slam Dunk was just so unexpected. Um, like me and Josh were standing next to each other. We're both sort of lifelong Shikari fans, and seeing them wheel out these two giant grey rectangles, we we're both like, "What the fuck is that? What are they doing here?" They're essentially just like blocks of massive 3D screens which kind of like wrap around each other. Check out the Slam Dunk vlog to kind of see them in their full glory. But um, it was just awesome. I'd already seen them twice already this year. So I was kind of expecting a similar set to what they played at those shows, but they completely switched it up. Played a mix of, of some new ones, some older ones. Snake Pit was chucked in there, which was a nice surprise. Um, and as soon as they started playing that, I just saw Josh disappear into the pit. It was just an excellent headline set for them. I think the last one for me is uh, it's Slipknot a download. Yeah, probably my favourite set. I think well. musically hearing songs I never thought I'd hear live. Uh, the energy that we had in that front section of the pit was incredible. It made the weekend for me that that pit, and then afterwards back at the camp, it was kind of like a whole. We want to buzz. Like, connect the knot to how we were afterwards as well, and it's not the first time that Slipknot have done that for me that I've, no. I've come away with such a buzz from seeing them and this energy especially after a five-day festival where you should be the most tired you've been all week it's theory. contagious yeah it was brilliant like hearing snuff live i never thought i'd hear that um like such funny memories of like that show in particular like i there's there's me you ruben and we had callum and lewis in the front section with us and we all seem to keep finding each other at various points but I have a standout moment, which was I found Callum and Lewis. And I think Lewis had turned around to me and he was like, you seen Ruben? All of a sudden there's a circle pit kind of going on right directly behind us. And we just hear someone barking as it's going around. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, of course it's Ruben, of course it is. Uh, so that's funny. Um, opening with the blister exists was incredible. Purity, insane. Um, had you on my shoulders during Unsainted. Uh, it was just such a good set and it was weird like I was going into it I remember us like kind of in the front bit and we were talking and I was like I've studied all the set lists I know what they've been playing recently and then as soon as Blister Exist opened I was like forget everything I've said <laughs> song came on, I was like, like never mind everything is just <laughs> fucked now just enjoy um, and yeah like musically my favourite band anyway and so to kind of cap it all off with them couldn't ask for a lot more really I think if, if we're gonna, if you guys are gonna talk about Slipknot, we've got to talk about Bring Me the Horizon, because for for me at least, they're by far the best headliner at Download, Midi and probably the best headliner I've ever seen at Download Festival. Uh, go on, tell me in the comments how wrong I am. But um, yeah, they just blew everyone away. Metallica and Slipknot. As much as I enjoyed Slipknot, not so much Metallica. Um, it felt like they kind of just turned up, did their thing, and went home, which they can get away with. They're, they're Slipknot Metallica, for God's sake. But Bring With Horizon came with a point to prove, and boy, did they prove it. Like, amazing production, essentially telling a story throughout the set, which I thought was really interesting. Um, sounded great as well. Loads of fire, which is always good at a download headline set. It's what Much you want. Um, and they launched kind of the new album campaign, I guess. Yeah, just a really, really special feeling about that set I think 
It was almost like there was, a, in a way, kind of a generational divide between people who didn't Definitely. feel like Bring Me belonged and, I guess, to put it bluntly, like younger fans who kind of knew that Bring Me could pull it off. And there was just almost an element of like... Told you so. Being kind of, well, yeah, and like kind of being anxious beforehand of like, oh, this might not go well. And then within like the first 20 seconds, I was like, we're fine. We're absolutely fine. This is going to be perfect. They were the best headliner of the weekend. I do want to talk about two more headline uh, sets from festival season, though. One is Metallica. It was a bucket list thing for me. Night one, I was down at the front. I had the best time. It was just, I don't know. It was like nothing I ever thought I would experience. I had so much fun. And night two? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's two sets I want to talk about. Metallica <laughs> and Metallica. Uh, no, the other set I want to talk about was um, maybe one of the most special like memories I've got of watching a band, I think. And that is Sleep Token at Takedown Festival. We were very, very lucky that we were able to go up to the balcony to watch um, which, by the way, if you're going next year, is a VIP upgrade that you can get. Would highly recommend it. Um, and something about being able to watch that band do what they do from a balcony and really like... It, it's one thing to experience it in a crowd, and I will always enjoy being in a crowd, but it was just completely different to be up there and really focus your attention on what's happening on the stage and yeah, how they sure. are just like absolute masters of their craft each and every one of that band. and it meant it got, we got some really really cool multi-cam footage which you can see in the vlog on our right, channel Dan, Dan 5-6 um, <laughs> but I, I can't thank Take Down enough for allowing us to have that opportunity and to have that memory because it was just fantastic yeah my, my favourite thing about that set and it, this might not go in because it's more of like a personal thing but being sat on that balcony at the end of the day seeing like Tyler down in the photo pit one of collectively our favourite bands on the stage, like kind of just below us. Um, like some of the guys just in the pit moshing away. It was a bit like, a, look what we've done. Look mm. what we're doing. There's all, all of our friends there just doing their thing. And we're just chilling on the balcony. Yeah. I think I can go in. You reckon That's so? Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> That's sweet. Wholesome. Yeah. Well, that about sums it up, I reckon. I reckon, let us know in the comments down below which festivals you've been to. What was your favourite sets you've seen? If it's multiple, just let us know. If you disagree with any of us, let us know as well. Um, yeah, we've got all kinds of good stuff coming. More gigs. We still have one more festival, as mentioned earlier, which is Burn It Down. Very excited for that. Woo. So make sure you subscribe because there'll be plenty of stuff, very special stuff Woo. coming up uh, around about that time. Speaking of subscribing, there's a thousand of you now. Fuck yeah. What's, what's going on there? Um... Thank you to everyone. We appreciate this very much to kind of break fourth wall slightly. Like we did this and we may have said this before. We did this in our rooms via Discord uh, during the lockdowns because we wanted to talk about music. Um, it was something that we've always done at gigs with our friends and we wanted to kind of keep it going. And we didn't know what was going to happen really. And it's led us to this. We've had so many beautiful amazing interactions with people that we genuinely hold very dearly um so thank you so much for that every every like every subscribe every comment we get of anything we do look at we do love whether it's 
you disagree with us or not, just having that kind of talking about music is why we started this. There will be um, stuff we'll talk about soon with things that we're going to do after this because we want to open this up and have these discussions with you guys as well. So keep an eye out. There'll be more stuff coming with that. Yeah, this, um, this started as a place for us and now it's becoming quite apparent that it's a place for you guys as well. It's a place for all of us. But just So, we're, so we've that, got some stuff lined up. Yeah, just because we've hit that doesn't mean it stops. This is a, a lovely thank you to all of you. Um, but there's so much we want to do still. So many plans we've got. Um, and we keep the train rolling forward. So make sure you're liking this. Comment down below. Subscribe to the channel. Share it with your friends. And let's all talk about music together. But before we go, shall we recommend something to listen to before the next episode? Let's do it, Dan. Have you got, have you got one in mind? I think because loads of new music came out today, including the new one from Spanish Love Songs. Uh, the album is called No Joy. Um, and I haven't heard it yet, so we might as well... Well, we haven't had time to review it on this episode, so we might as well recommend it and it's an excuse to review it on the next episode, isn't it? I'm going to recommend From the Unforgiving Arms of God by End. It is their debut EP. It's six songs and... Uh, and they're all about two minutes long. And it's it's just flawless. I'm going to make a risky move. Barbie I'm, soundtrack. I'm going to, I'm going to defer my option. And let someone else make a decision. Oh, Ruben, oh, this could be could anything. Be now, All we're right. now we're in trouble. Uh, Ruben, you, you have my, my monthly recommendation. Uh, Use it wisely. So I was I I thought if I had to choose one, because we mentioned them earlier, um, and Fit for a King did come up earlier, and I'm not sure. It's an album from last year. I'm not sure if the you guys covered it, but The Hell We Create. I think if you're into metalcore, is a is a brilliant album. It's it's everything you want in an, a metalcore album. It's gritty. The cleans kind of give a little bit of a sort of relief from like the heaviness from it, and it does it. It does it really well. There's um, it opens with the song "The Hell We Create," and I think it opens really well for the album. And it does have a ghost inside feature, I, th- I believe, halfway through the album. Yeah, which is um, so. also another one, good one to listen to. So, yeah, there we are. Check it out. There are recommendations. Um. Give them a listen. Let us know what you think of them. Recommend us something as well. Yeah. Get down in the comments. Once again, thank you all very, very much. And we shall speak to you soon. Yeah. Yeah, see you later. (laughs) Peace. Bye. (laughs)